Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden, and also featuring Megan Runyon, YA superfan. Rachel Young, a true crime goddess. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time. They are three book girls. I need, I need coffee. What's new? My internet keeps freezing, so I heard... I have a giant... Outside of my arm like this big for my COVID vaccine. Oh, you got a welt? A, oh my god, yeah, it's Ooh. huge. It's still there. It's hard. It's red. It like it's starting to itch around it. And the first like that's what day, he said. <laughs> Come on, he better go get some penicillin because that's not normal. Uh, <laughs> and what, I probably had every side effect the like the day after. I felt like garbage but i was better yesterday but like, yeah it's just so your you immune still, system my you still arm get an, an uh, uh vaccine even though you had covid mm-hmm. yep yeah because it's only had- good for like three your your immunities i think they said are only good for like three to six months but the COVID is like for life. I thought COVID no, was only. No, it won't the be vac- for life. The vaccine won't be for life. It'll probably only be once a year. Oh God, I hope not. I hope it's like a five. That's year. what my prediction is because it will mutate. Well, yeah. it's already mutated. I mean, it'll mutate beyond because right now with the new mutation, they've said that it's only eighty-five percent effective now. It's going to be like the flu. It's just yep. going to turn in. Are you every year you have to get a flu shot and a COVID shot? Yep. Well, I hope if that's the case, they figure out how to get it done in one dose because this having to take two dose bullshit is not going to work for the rest of our lives. I looked and read through my paperwork, and like your lymph nodes in that arm can become swollen, and mm. I mean it's an, it's actually a normal side effect that they say. See, and uh, Megan didn't get that mm-hmm. reaction at all. No. None of my coworkers did either. In Amarillo, if you're of a certain age or you have certain diagnosis, anything, and you don't have to sign up, you just have to show up at the civic center. Yeah, mm. that'd be nice. And you know, let them know, and then you just fill out your paperwork there, and then they call you by row and. My coworker was so funny. He went with his wife because he and I got it at the VA, but his wife has um, MS. And so he went with her. Uh. And he said, when we were waiting to go in, the local radio station here that Tom works for, <laughs> he said, when they called his row, they were walking up in a line and Don't Fear the Reaper was playing. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. Somebody needs to deal with that fucking playlist, guys. That is not a good thing to have playing right now. Come on. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. He said it was perfect. Change your playlist, people. This is not a Stephen King movie. (laughs) That's fantastic. That's the song that plays in the very beginning of The Stand, the series. I haven't watched that yet. God, that's the best scene ever, where it's going through in the lab. And as you go through each room, everybody's dead on the floor. I haven't read it yet. I mean, that's like the beginning of it. Yeah. So we've gotten a lot of traffic on all of our lists. From yes. I know, right? It's exciting. Yeah, Martha got some love today, too. I did. I saw that. My astrophysics girl. Yeah. Yeah. To include the famous Ken Follett. Twice. I know. It's exciting. What? I didn't know what, what he looked like. He's until... a silver fox. Yeah. Is he married? Yeah. He's been married well, for like... Take care of- 40 years or some crazy thing like that. He's been married a long time. Don't worry, Bonnie. We can take care of that. <laughs> he can keep his wife. We just want him to be our sugar daddy. That'd be nice. Okay. We need a sugar daddy real bad right now. We're excited okay. about our new video that's going to go up for YouTube tomorrow. We introduced our new jaunty map that I got. Fancy. So in the video that we did, we asked people to tell us where they are in the comments and i ordered these groovy little rhinestones that the sticky rhinestones and we'll put them on the map it's very exciting i'm very excited about that because you know we are trying to take over the world one book at a time it'll look so pretty too i know it will it'll it'll be sparkly like a sky full of stars okay would y'all judge me if i read and reviewed a book that was literally authored 
by the serial killer. It's his auto. It's his autobiography. No, I support this. Decision. I think any time you have to start a sentence with "Would y'all judge me if?" You should know my answer to true crime is always. Please tell me more. <laughs> that is really creepy, though, Rachel. Seriously. <laughs> no, I want to know all about it now. Now you have to. Okay, so let me... I just bought it, but let me see if it downloaded to my Kindle. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's not today's review? Okay. Got me all excited. Well, it's no... Well, the only reason I... Today is a true crime book, actually. Okay, good. Um, but, uh, which, thank God, I needed some serial killer after the fucking clusterfuck that book we got emailed about was. <laughs> Because Jesus Christ, that was that, that needed was, a little palate cleanse. I needed some Ted Bundy in my life. <gasps> it's oh. really kind of sad when the super inappropriate bondage book needs to be cleansed from your mind by a serial killer. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, serial killer is pretty much Rachel and I's default setting on, <laughs> on things. I wouldn't have had, and Vani and I were talking about this. I would not have had a problem with the bondage or any of that stuff i'm up for a little kink like i'm fine with that it's when we don't have consent in the book Mm. and there's literal hostage taking kidnapping whatever you want to call it rape (gasps) and virtual stockholm syndrome and then we transition into her basically kind of falling in love with him and then in the end they're not even together but she learned all this valuable stuff from him and he learned from her Fuck the whole thing. Just so it's not even a romance because in order to be a romance, they have to end up together. I know. Oh fuck that. No, nope, she's leaving. I was, I was just like, I can't. Bonnie, I added your uh, evening in the morning to the calendar so we wouldn't. Not that we'll forget, but so that it's on the calendar. Okay. Twenty first. I'm, I'm being honest here. I kind of feel like a jerk for not reading this book at this point. Of time to read it you because should read everybody it. is reading this book and i f- i have to admit i'm i'm feeling peer pressure to get you know on what? the follow train i, I mean they have it on audio yeah i know and i have a uh i have a credit that i could use for it but i just don't do it give in to the peer pressure i, I bet uh, i need to get my ass to reading i'm only ha- i got only a few books to credits read. right now how the fuck did you get 21 credits? <laughs> so, um, a couple months ago, I got, I think it was a COVID bonus for like working during COVID. Uh, um, and I just went ahead and bought myself the membership where you get like 25 credits or something. So I'm just going to do that because it's just a once a year payment. It wasn't that much. Well, if you don't want to read it, don't read it. It's We're not. No, we're forcing you telling you you have to i we know. don't think worse of you because you're not i do mm-hmm. <laughs> hey vonnie's so being harsh. nice rachel and i will be honest literally every <laughs> other person is reading this book except me i'm like the, 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 the bitch in the corner or something feel bad Jessica, read it oh yeah, yeah that's true jessica's not reading it if you're okay with me and megan reading twilight and loving it then i'm okay with you not reading a follow book fair that's fair that's fair Yes, and I am fine with it. I don't judge what you That's good. No book shaming. Or no, no book shaming. Or you're reading. Or not, that's all that matters. What's the opposite of like when you don't read a book? Like book shaming is when you like read something that somebody should what's the opposite? I guess it's still book shame. Like book guilting? No book guilting. Oh, yeah, I guess it would be. It's literary peer pressure. Literary peer pressure. That's exactly what that is right there. Oh yeah. I guess you guys have never given me a hard time about my lack of participation in things before, so. So, I have some exciting news. So, I, I planned to be on the call last night, but I had a friend come over to help me with my resume because I'm going to be applying for a promotion. <gasps> That's pretty cool. If I get an interview and get it, which, fingers crossed, but... Um, I'll be able to stay in the same clinic and everything, but, and it'll be a non-supervisory promotion, which is awesome. So I won't have to supervise anybody, but I'll still get the promotion. I guess restrict yet open some therapy avenues because it's actually for PTSD, substance use disorder, uh, lead or social worker, senior social worker spot. 
nice i thought of you and your all your therapy when i was watching iron man 3 because i was like tony stark needs rachel in his life right now (laughs) having some trauma issues he was having so much trauma issues i was like tony stark get it together man we got people that can help you with this we got rachel on speed dial yeah i'm honestly i was thinking about it um today i was just kind of thinking to myself of like we have this awesome community of like badass women who are like raising little human beings to take over the world and be good people being single working women or you know helping to support our families or some of us are the breadwinners in our family and it's just it's super empowering to kind of think about that and I was thinking about it yesterday as I was you know applying for this and just kind of having that drive and I was like we have a full a community a book girl community full of just badass women whether you're you know you're a mom or you work or whatever like it's just it's awesome we have doctors we have lawyers we have have people all across the gamut and we have guys too we don't talk about the guys very often there are a few of them but they're there. there There's a few brave men who don't mind the estrogen in the room my coworker Matt listens and he's a great guy you know he reads and just he's Tom's comment because he was trying to think of Stockholm syndrome when I was talking about that awful book oh my god he's like oh Hancock syndrome and I was like well I mean you're not wrong hand Hancock syndrome Hancock yeah and I was like I think you mean Stockholm but either way I get where you're going (laughs) (laughs) Hancock syndrome would be someone who is compelled to constantly masturbate, wouldn't they? Well, that is a thing. <laughs> Hancock syndrome. <laughs> I'm not Googling this. Hey, a chronic <laughs> masturbation. That's a thing. It's an addiction. I got nothing. I have not been in a great mood the last two weeks. Something about when the, when the weather gets like this and I don't leave my house on the in the best of times... No. All I know is that 2021 is not off to a good start. Mm. Going to get better. It, yep. Can only go it, up. it better get better because let's see, in the first two days, I um, we got a whole crap ton of snow. I so saw. that was a thing. But And then I found out that somebody in my office has COVID, so now I got to go get a freaking COVID test. Mm. So the same, do you think you get to stay home for like 10 days and read? Oh, no, if I'm negative, I got to go back to work. There's no quarantine <laughs> <in> my work. <laughs> <laughs> if you test negative, you they go back to work. Department down. They, just, they just put caution tape over the door so people don't come in. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty good. That caution, was- do not enter. Quarantine <laughs> area. That's Caution. Oh, I was going to say something inappropriate. I don't want to get hate for it. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> say it. Say it. Say it. You know, in the beginning, bleep, you can cut this, Martha. You know, in the beginning of um, The Walking Dead, like within the first couple episodes when Rick wakes up. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the do not enter. There's doors that are, it, yeah, it says like, don't enter dead inside or something. But yep. you can like see things and people moving around. That's Vani's work. It's got caution tape and it says dead inside. Yeah, that's what they're going to put on our door for our office. To come in. They're going to put they're going to put the chain in the padlock and Bonnie will be pushing on the door. Let me out. Let me out. Let me out. Oh, brains. <laughs> yeah. Y'all could not you couldn't live in where my office is cuz I'm the EVS department is always next door to the morgue. It's like it's just always the two departments in the basement and they have to You can't go. see me right now, but I've got full body sh- yeah. chills. Hey Rachel, I just found your shirt. I'm Does sitting here looking on Facebook because, you know, my uh, my niece is having her baby, so I need to keep my messenger up just in case, you know, something happens. This shirt says you inspire my inner serial killer. <laughs> nice. That's sort I of do. like that towel that I got you, Rachel, the uh the tea towel. It's sitting right here. It says, does does this towel smell like chloroform to you? Yep, and it has a beautiful flower. <laughs> it's displayed nicely in my library. I need a good serial killer t-shirt. I really do. That yeah. one's actually pretty cool. I wonder if they have that on the Amazon. So it's a new year. It's 2021, guys. Yep. And in this new year, what are we going to do differently? That's a really hard question. I know it's very cliche, but for me, I'm going to be... M- better about being more active 
not necessarily losing weight because i feel like that's like one of those things everyone says like i'm gonna lose weight like i'm gonna be more active I have no idea what I'm going to do differently. I just thought I'd throw that out there since it's, you know, as it relates to books. I did up my reading challenge for the year. I, my reading challenge, I, I think I set that at, I think I set it at 200 for this year because I set it for 160 last year and I went way over. So I'm, I set my reading goal for this year, which is an up. I set mine at 65, um, which is not only more than last year, but I was too shy of my goal. No, or one shy of my goal last year. Or, you know, that's one thing I want to do is be a lot more mindful about reading, watching TV as much, and really getting that goal or going above 65. Nice. Bonnie, have you picked your goal for the year? Like book goal? Mm -hmm. No. My goal is to drink more coffee and nap more. I think I can handle those two things. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Drink more coffee and nap more. That was like the polar opposite of my be more active. Bonnie's like, I'm going to sleep more and drink more caffeine. <laughs> well, I, you know, I want to actually meet my goal for one year. There you go. I so like it. I'm setting the bar low. One thing I want to do in 2021 is drink more water. Because I suck at it, right? But I needed a little help. So I ordered two water bottles. They're different. This is one of them. It's, it's customized. It has like a book thing on it. And in my daily goals, it has books that you're reading through on your chapters. Oh, cute. Oh, so each line is a different chapter that you've drunk. And then you fill it up. And then on the front, it says, just a girl who loves books. It's just a good thing that's not vodka in there. That's all I'm saying about <laughs> that. Because... That could be some dangerous... Well, I'm at home today, so it could be vodka. Whatever you have in your bottle is your business, baby. I set my book goal at 55. 55 is a good goal. Because I I was at 30, I think, for this year and went way past that. (laughs) So I think I I read 60-something this year. So I figured if I put it at 55, that's kind of in the middle. Yeah, and I just found a really helpful Instagram account that is all things YA and I'm about to sit down with my computer and just start making a whole list of new releases for YA for this year. So I can have some new books. It's going to be dangerous. I was like, Oh, add that to the list. Add that to my wish list. <laughs> well, and my new obsession that I just discovered that will probably get worse in 2021 is book subscription boxes. Oh girl. Yeah. <laughs> that, that has helped with um, my reading at the end of 2020 and now into 2021. Yes. We're going to post as we do unboxings for those on our YouTube and Instagram and all those places. So you guys can see what book boxes. If you like, if you get off and watching people open shit up and learning other, and none of them, I mean, I feel like we can safely say that right now. None of them are sponsored. It's all uh, boxes that we've just got and that we like, and we're sharing our unboxings. We haven't been sent them or paid to say, Hey, like this box because we, got paid to nobody's tell you. paying us so you know our our motives are pure yep we have some pure maybe motives. maybe someday soon though someone will sponsor us and then we can say and our sponsor X this, and X and this X podcast is brought to you by that's what i do is the reveal romance book box spearcraft book box at the moment I have to say, I like the photo that you found for Darker Waters. The One of the books was on my list because the picture I had was good, but the one you found was even better. I was like, dang, that's nice. I know. That's what I was like. I'm going to go with the one with all the abs. <laughs> yeah, because the you one guys I guys in your freaking shirtless book covers. Stop. Martha, just join us. It's yeah. okay. Join the dark side. Now that is some peer pressure right there. <laughs> Jokes on you her. I have a romance for this week. Abs. You know you like it. No. It always makes me think. Every time I see a, a shirtless dude on the cover. Now, let me just preface this by saying I love gay men. Okay? But if I see a picture of a shirtless guy on a book, I always think, oh, he must be gay. Why? <laughs> it's because I had this experience when I was a young radio person where I had to go do you know the 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 stripper guys that travel around a different Chippendales? place it wasn't a Chippendales, but it was a similar one no, to not- that and i would i had to do it several different times i had to be the you know we did a remote there with the Performers. erotic dancing men and every single time 
the guys, the really good looking ripped guys, they were all gay. So it's like, it's like I see that image of a guy that's in that peak physical condition and all oiled up and, you know, looking sexy. It does nothing for me because I automatically go to, oh, well, he wouldn't be available for me anyway because he likes guys. So it's not necessarily that I'm downplaying. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I need people to understand is I love gay men. I'm just not attracted to them. No, that's so basically you pavloved yourself. I pavloved myself <laughs> out of existence with that kind of thing. I don't know why. I have no idea. Especially if they've got some tattoos. But I don't want like sleeves of tattoos, like some like splattering of tattoos. I'm okay with splattering. <laughs> that just it sounds. Just, it depends. That a just sounds obscene, Megan. Right. A well done sleeve or a half sleeve done right, that can be sexy. Bonnie, what's your take on the whole tattooing issue? I don't mind tattoos. I don't like neck tattoos and face tattoos. But other than that, I'm okay. Yeah, you're not Agreed. particularly you drawn to men with ink. I'm not particularly drawn to men with ink, but I tattoos can be still sexy. It depends on the person, really. I mean, I've seen some pretty skanky guys with tattoos, and I've seen some pretty hot guys with tattoos. So, you know. You don't you don't want to I mean, date Aaron Carter with his massive face and neck tattoos right now? I don't no, even know who the no. fuck that is. Who Nick is that? Carter's little brother. I don't even know who that is. Oh. Who is that? Nick Rapper. Nick Carter's in the Backstreet Boys. Aaron Carter's his little brother. And he's not unattractive. And then he went and got a face, like, full, like, left, right side of his face is like a tattoo. And everyone, when he did it, everyone's like, that's fake, right? No, no, no. It's not. <sighs> Boy, we are just a bundle of activity and excitement today, aren't we? I think it's that whole new year. Th- I think we're just as scared to mess it up. It's like we don't want to disturb the beast i think vani wants to punch 2021 right in the balls at this point because <laughs> i'm telling you it hasn't been a good w- weekend it's mm. only the second day in 2021 and i'm already done with it well and Ten if you get covid if you get covid i'll bring you soup and leave it outside your door i have soup in the freezer <laughs> God! i have one ken follett knows your name that's true that's true i mean but that's the 20 20- thing he retweeted us in 2020 oh i'm gonna get another retweet in 2021 she's gonna get you another one (laughs) you know before he retweeted us i sent a message i sent an email message to him to his uh web page or whatever i wonder if that's why he retweeted us yeah i'm gonna slide into his dms in a non-creepy way (laughs) (laughs) is there such a thing as a non-creepy way it sounds worse when you say it out loud to to slightly Can What's I ask a, an old person question? What's a DM? Direct, Direct message. message. Okay. Is that a Twitter thing? Uh, Twitter, Instagram. So like no. if you went to someone's page and like you didn't want to like comment. Facebook is the same. It's yeah, like, like it's messenger. like a Facebook messenger. It like just goes in like yeah. a little email. They used to call it PM, like private message. Private yeah. message. Yeah. Yeah, see, I know what a yeah, PM But then they changed it to okay. DM as direct message instead of, you know, like messaging on like somebody's comment where it's available for everybody yeah okay. but it's the same thing basically hmm. dm and pm is i used to say pm all the time because that's what dm to me stands for dungeon master so i'm sure bonnie would appreciate ken Pollitt being a dungeon master for her though that's no it's, <laughs> you're thinking about you know something you wouldn't completely have to kidnap different. me Right? There's your consent. We've covered it now. We're talking about Dungeons and Dragons here. I know you are. I never get to make the dirty joke. I took it when I could. (laughs) Megan's really getting into it now. Boy, she's taking those shots where she can get them. Bonnie, I don't know about you, but I feel that we have been a positive influence on Megan. I'm very proud that she took we that. We have. <laughs> we just about corrupted her to our level. Almost. When Almost. we get together again in a few weeks, maybe we can fully make that transition. I was going to say, by the time the Shonas get here, it will be complete. Oh, God. <laughs> and that's what, the 16th? Yep. Yeah. Are we ready for books? <laughs> I I, I, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that it might just be time to burst the cherry of 2021 with a brand new review okay well my brand new review is not anything very much different because it's a world war ii book 
And um, actually, if I would have been able to review this last month, this would have been on my favorite book list for 2020 because I loved this book. It was so wonderful. It's called Unbroken, A World War II Story of Survival, Resilience, and Redemption by Laura Hillenbrand. And it's about a guy named Louis Zamberini, which um, his parents came to the United States as Italian immigrants, and they lived in uh, California. And he grew up like really poor. They weren't, you know, rich by any means. There was a lot of discrimination against Italian immigrants at the time in California. And he was bullied a lot when he was a kid. Then he finally got sick of being bullied and turned into the bully. And then he got in trouble all the time for beating the crap out of everybody. And so he, you know, had an interesting upbringing. And he's just a very pig-headed, stubborn kind of person, his personality. Well, then he decides that he's sick of beating people up and decides that he wants to um, become a runner and actually does so well that he goes to the Berlin Olympics in the 1940s. That's kind of impressive. 1940s. Yeah. So, I mean, this guy is a, a very interesting character already. So after the Olympics, um, he joins the Army Air Force, even though he's kind of afraid of flying. He decides that he's going to join the Army Air Force and he becomes a bombardier, I think, mm -hmm. or a pilot. I can't remember exactly what he does, but he joins the the Air Force and they sent him the, to the Pacific to fight the war. In May of 1943, his airplane crashes into the ocean. And um, a big part of the book, like the not a huge, not the whole book, but a large part of the book is about him and two other people struggle to survive on a, a life raft in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And they're on the ocean for, I think, like two months. Damn. Actually longer than anyone has survived on a life raft in the Pacific Ocean to the point where the life raft itself started breaking down. So like all of the yellow from the plastic kept leaching into their skin because it had been in the ocean for so long that it was becoming jelly. Oh my God. And, and the sharks, it, it talks about how the sharks were constantly circling them and everything else. And about how the sharks would actually like lunge at their life raft and try to knock them into the water so that they could eat them. I mean, it was it was interesting to hear how they survived. There's more. You're giving Martha serious but, goosebumps. My whole I'm body you. has broken out in goose flesh right now because the just the idea of being in an in a life raft with sharks around, I I just can't even imagine how horrible that would have been. It was crazy. The things that they had to do to survive on that lifeboat was insane. And I will tell you right now, if you have a weak stomach, don't read this book. I will not be reading this book. It's a good so movie. finally they get rescued, except they get rescued by the Japanese <sighs> and not the Americans. So they go from their whole ordeal on the life raft into a prisoner of war camp. And then it's about them being in the prisoner of war camp and the things that happen and the things that they have to do and so on and so forth. And yeah. And then finally, I mean, I don't know how much I need to give away because I mean, this is a nonfiction story. So, and it's a movie, but that's only like two thirds of the book. And then it's about after the war and what happens after the war. And of course, you know, back in world war two, they didn't have, they didn't know what uh, PTSD was or anything. So, like, all of these uh, people from the war all came back into the country, and they had such a hard time adjusting to regular life. And it talks about that, and it talks about, like, a bunch of people from his regiment, like, when they go back to their regular lives and how they struggled. And, Martha, I would say don't read this because it gets a little religious at the end of it. And you know how I've, so I'm like, n n yeah. 
there's that. But it, it was an extremely interesting story, though, about just this person's life and everything that he went through, like even before he went into the Army Air Force and, you know, was stuck on the Pacific Ocean and attacked by sharks and all of this other stuff that happens. It, it was just a really good book. It was, of course, sad because, you know, yeah. it's war. People die. I, I saw the movie but... when it came out. Like, I went and saw it in theaters. And I remember leaving mm-hmm. the theater and thinking, this this story, this man's story is why that generation was called the greatest generation. Like, because this is what life was for them. Like, Yeah, it was a really, it was a good book. Like I said, if you... <laughs> Have a weak stomach. Don't read it because he they, they go into detail about things that they have to do to survive, and some of it's not pretty. You just you always have to remember too, though, that this is just one person's story, and there were so many stories like this that happened during World War II. So many people ended up in those prisoner of war camps. I guess I just didn't realize that Japan had been so horrible and just, I mean. Oh, they're the they almost worst. They make the Nazis look like teddy bears. Oh, absolutely. I would agree with that. I mean, they were the first one. They used chemical warfare against uh, the Chinese to try to take over China. I'm not trying to say anything bad about Japan because that's, you know, the past. Right. Having knows that the United States doesn't have a really good track record with certain things. So what it was, was the name of that book? It's called Unbroken by Laura Hildenbrand or Hillenbrand, I'm sorry, H-I-L-L-E-N-B-R-A-N-D. For any listeners who don't know, my maternal grandfather was a World War II combat vet. He was in combat in Europe, in that area, but I lived with them, uh, he and my grandmother, for a few years while I was in college. One of the most basic questions I ever had for him, right, because he was on the front lines, right, and he spent a good amount of time in foxholes. And what is a basic question that you might have, at least that I had, is how do you go to the bathroom when you're in a fox? And his answer to me was, kid, that's what he was calling me, kid, that's what your helmet's for. (gasps) So you go in in your helmet, you reach up, dump, put it back on. And I was like, oh, I mean, you know, and it's just those things like Megan, like you were talking about that we don't think about or, you know, even our armed services who are serving currently the things that they go through just to survive or meet basic necessity let alone these harrowing stories it just it's incredible to know that how strong the human condition can be and the things that we'll do to survive and the quick thinking thinking outside the box to be able to survive because some of the things they did to be able to survive i don't know if i would have thought of i mean maybe if i was in that situation you know, you're thinking, okay, well, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? But I mean, just, it was like, yeah. wow. Wow. When I, when I saw it in theaters, I was the youngest person in the room. When I looked around, I was like, I'm surrounded by like World War II veterans or like Korean, like older veterans. And it was kind of like, I was like, I feel like I'm not worthy to be in the room. <laughs> like, <laughs> because like looking around at the people in the room, I was like, they, they lived this and I'm here as like a spectator too that these are the things that it's our job as readers and yes as the grandchild of someone who served in world war ii to keep alive because there are a rare number if any current world war ii veterans still living among us and these are things that need to be kept alive and and you know we need to be reminded of i i think if you don't learn if you don't know history then it's bound to repeat itself and that's not any place that we need to go again right when somewhere i saw like cnn or somebody did like a poll of teenagers early college age kids that were like what do you know about the holocaust and they were like say what it was scary how many i forget what the percentage was but it was like this huge percentage of like high like late high school early college age kids that were like we have no idea. We don't know what you're talking about about World War II. Like, what are you talking about? Well, they went through a stint in the schools, and I remember this because I did not agree with it, that they wanted to take all of that stuff that had a whole lot of violence in it out of the history books, like the bombing. They wanted to take yep. the bombings out. Yep. They didn't want to talk about that negative stuff in school because it was frightening the children. Hi. Come but on. They did discuss it. 
They need to discuss Their video games are way more violent than any of that crap. Well, that, and I'm sorry. I sat in a classroom and watched a plane hit one of the the Twin Towers. You, that that it needs to be talked about. The truth needs to be talked about. And there was a documentary that came out several years ago, and it was it's related to food, but it also brought to light something frightening. They were this crew. They were out in front of the White House, and they asked people, I think, to cite the Pledge of Allegiance. Right? Most uh-huh. people didn't do it. Then they asked them to sing the McDonald's Big Mac song. Well, everybody knew how to do that. Really? And That's crazy. I get it. I, I get that we have issues, but come on. You need to know the, the history. Good, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I was in high school by the time I learned about like the Japanese internment camps, and I was like, why the hell are we not I teaching I grew up this? right by one yeah. and had no idea it was there. Yeah. Oh, my God. There was one right there. Probably less than twenty miles from my house, and I've never been there. And truthfully, I think America should take more time to teach kids about the things, especially the shitty things that's happened in America history. Because there's a lot of the stuff that I didn't know, like the Japanese internment camps. I didn't know that until I was in college. I knew a little bit, but not a lot about how we screwed over the Native Americans when we first came to this country and how we just kept pushing them and pushing them and pushing them. And I think that um, slavery should be covered more because maybe if we covered all these topics on what America did, maybe then people would actually get why we have like the Black Lives Matter movement. Maybe they would be a little more empathetic to what those groups went through. And if we're not willing to acknowledge what has happened mistakes we've made and good things that we've done how are we supposed to learn mm-hmm. from exactly. how are we supposed to move forward yeah you can't no nope. you can't move forward without knowing the past mm-hmm. you can't nope yeah you can't erase it it happened nope. My God, so, that's a huge c- cup, Vonnie. That's <laughs> massive. We, we went so far like, down a rabbit hole. Can oh you God, tell that we are like passionate that. people that we're like, we will fight for this till the, like the dead. Like we went so, that was, that was a fantabulous tangent. Um, so keeping on the uh, true story front, that's where my book will come in. <laughs> Good um, transition. Um, which... I must say, as a true crime fan, I was remiss in getting around to this. So I'm going to be reviewing The Stranger Beside Me by Anne Rule. Oh, awesome. And one of the things that I found when the particular copy that I have is fairly new, I wanted the most updated copy because the original version of The Stranger Beside Me came out in 1980, which was nine years before Ted Bundy was executed. Um, So there was additional information uh, in this book that was not in the original, and it's had some updates throughout the years, but this is the most current version. Um, And I did have to go to Audible to find uh, the audiobook version. So just be mindful of that, that there are a lot of different versions and libraries have different ones, but this one is the most most current copy so um, the original version though i believe is read by Anne herself which is kind of cool Anne rule is no longer living but this one was read by um a different person she did a great job so for those of y'all who don't know ted bundy was a serial killer late 60s early 70s through the late 70s but um he was he was apprehended i want to say 74 between 74 and 76, something like that. And he spent several years in prison. He was executed in Florida in 1989. This book, though, while it does follow the life and crimes of Ted Bundy, it chronicles them through his ties with Anne Rule. So this story, while yes, it is about Ted Bundy in a sense, it is actually more Anne's story um, and her connection with Ted and her process of knowing him and finding things out and um, being a, a struggling 
mother and single mother um, and trying to work her way up through sort of the world as an author. Um, she actually started off in her younger years as a police officer and she dabbled in different forms of writing before, you know, and so she had a lot of connections with um, police departments and other things because she was a crime writer as well for newspapers. But in the mid to late 60s, she worked um, as a volunteer at a local suicide hotline. And her partner, those couple days a week on the overnights was Ted Bundy. And so they developed a friendship. And throughout the years, you know, she talks about her impression of him and the contact that they kept with each other, both before um, he he was arrested during his arrests and then subsequently um, on a much more limited basis, but then during his incarceration. And I think it's really interesting to hear how she put into word her view of Ted when she first met him and the lives that he helped save and everything. And I am by no means saying that I think Ted Bundy was a good person or that, you know, anything that he did should be negated by the fact that he helped people he killed people too and that's that's inexcusable but her view of things especially as these accusations started to come up and he got arrested and her wrestling with her view of the ted she knew and what was going on because it really wasn't until he was sentenced to die and edging up on being executed that he started to tell the truth right because during his trials and everything, he adamantly was would deny that he did any of these things. And it wasn't until very, you know, much later in, in the late 80s that he actually, once he knew he was going to die, admitted it. And just hearing her talk about these things and her emotional state with things and um, hearing her story intertwined with this was so cool. Um, I'm sad that it took me so long to read it, but if you are a fan of true crime, this is for you. But if you're just interested in hearing about a really sort of resilient lady and strong woman and mother, and I was more interested in her after reading this than anything else um, and reading more of her books and learning more about her. So overall, I gave it a four star. It was a good book. I think it could have been a touch shorter. That's why I knocked down a star. But overall, it was a good a good read for me. So that was The Stranger Beside Me by Anne Rule. I listened it, to the one that was written by Anne Rule. I listened you? to that audio. It was funny. I got confused because I got a copy from the library thinking they were all the same. Well, I'm on the, the first part. And I'm like, oh, this isn't this isn't what I'm reading. And yeah. I figured out they're different. Um, but it is neat because this version was done in like 2000 or 2009. Um, and so there's even stuff up until 2000 that's written in here. Oh, oh wow. that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, mine's definitely one of the older ones it, because it, and it actually wasn't very long. So that one has more in it than the one I read. It does. And I think it's interesting, too, that the original version came out nine years before he was executed. And so, of course, you know, an update was going to be needed then. And I think Anne herself made some changes to, you know, the introduction and some other things over the years. But um, but yeah, the version I read, I really liked. I don't know which version I have on my shelf, but either way, I'm excited. This is the one I have. Is that? Yeah, that's the one I have. Yep. Well, I'm going to bring the room up a little bit. Just a wee bit. I read a romance. But it's not a YA romance. No, it's not a YA romance. It was actually a buddy read for um, reading rivalry that I'm part of. So this book was called The Boyfriend Project by Farah Roshan. And I really had no idea what this book was going to be other than I was like, clearly it's a romance. Uh, But it was so much more than your just basic romance. So we start off and we meet our main character. I think it's Samaya is her name. And Samaya is getting ready to go on a date and her sister's helping her get ready. And her sister is 
on Twitter, like an obsessive Twitter person. And she's reading her these tweets that's coming in from this girl who is on a date and she, she's like live tweeting this terrible date that she's on. And so she's reading these tweets to, to Samaya as she's getting ready and like three or four tweets in Samaya's all of a sudden like, wait a damn minute. That sounds like the guy I'm dating. <laughs> yeah. And so Samaya goes and confronts him at the restaurant where this girl's like live tweeting and there and she's like oh so just just your like standard date plan like you go to this chinese place and you're having this and you're doing that or whatever and while she's there confronting him another girl shows up and starts confronting him as well so there's three girls who are all dating the same guy and he's kind of a piece of shit like it's literally he takes them on the same date and he has this car that he is some big fan. I can't remember what kind of car it is, but basically he rents it. At oh my God. You know what this reminds me of? The plot of the the used car salesman in True Lies. You remember that movie? Oh, I remember Yes. Yes. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. So he like follows the same date plan. And like the girl that's live tweeting is like, that's how she figured it out because it was about the car. She was like, clearly this is a rental because there's this, this, and this. Like he's trying to be super fancy. So the other two girls are London and Taylor. And of course, as soon as they start yelling at him in the middle of this restaurant, like everyone starts videoing it and it goes viral. <laughs> like this cheating, like skeezy guy getting called out by these women. So she goes to work. She works at like, she's a higher up in like a tech company. And this takes place in Texas. And she goes to work the next day or on Monday and everyone in the office knows. Like the whole oh world God. knows what happened with her and this guy and these other in London and Taylor all being there. So they decide that the three of them are going to be like besties and they kind of form their own little squad and they go have drinks and they're getting to know each other. Cause they're like, we might as well stick together because no one's <laughs> like, this shit is unreal. So they are going out for drinks and stuff. And they kind of make this pact that, you know, for the next six months, we're going to not date and we're going to like be with our little like squad here and become better people and learn, do things that like we've been putting off because we've been too busy trying to date or whatever. So they make this pact and no sooner do they make the pact that Daniel Collins walks into her office and Daniel is, um, the description of him is deliciously sexy, honey eyed Daniel <laughs> at work. And he, so they kind of have like this flirtation going back and forth. They kind of start doing some dates and she's not telling the girls because she's supposed to be working on her own app that she wants to create. And finally she ends up telling them, but there's like a whole lot going on in this story more than what, what I've told you. And there's some things about Daniel that you don't know until the story unfolds a little bit. And then as it unfolds, you're like, oh, shit, <laughs> this is going to get complicated real quick. And it is a fat. I really loved it. I listened to it on audio and it was fabulous. And I was at work at one point when things got a little steamy and I texted in the like our group chat of people reading it. And I was like, oh, OK, like chapter 52 <laughs> or whatever. It wasn't that many chapters, but it was slight like out of left field like it was very calm you're like you're like yeah okay there's definitely some romance and then all of a sudden it was like wha-bam like outlander sex scene like out of nowhere um so it was a fabulous book i did not see the twist coming i wasn't really sure how they were gonna you know pull it off and it says on the description boyfriend project number one so there's probably a sequel out there somewhere i have not personally looked it up uh but I really enjoyed it. I'm glad I read it. And it's um, just a really different take on a romance because there's some secrets that make it really complicated. Not only because she's trying to not date anybody for six months, but because he's also keeping a lot of secrets. And that was The Boyfriend Project by Farah. Roshan, I hope I said your name correctly. I'm sorry if I did not. 
it was it was fun i didn't i didn't know what i was getting when i started it but i was glad i read it i was like that was kind of a fun different book yeah it sounds like it it was fun martha what'd you read well astrophysics again no oh i'm actually going to do something i rarely do and that is to review a book that i have read and reread and reread and reread and reread because it is only three days into the new year. Is it three days? Two days. two days. Only two days into the new year. It's a perfect time for me to talk about Discworld. Dun, dun, dun. Last year was the year of the condescending carp. This is a brand new year. This is the year of the beleaguered badger. Because, you know, every year the Discworld people come up with new names, even though so Terry they, Pratchett has, been passed, has since passed away. Oh, they still, they, like, they legit create they their legit own. They legit create their own year, year did, of the. Did the Hufflepuffs name this one? Uh, no. I, I think they might have since they're badgers. It's not, it's not the same fandom, Megan. Uh, they're both picked badgers. I'm going not with someone with the, the Hufflepuffs into the fandom. kitchen doesn't matter. So this book takes place in the year of the notional serpent. The reason that I love this book called Small Gods by Terry Pratchett is because it sort of picks apart our assumptions, major assumptions about religion in a very, very fun and entertaining manner when a tortoise is picked up by an eagle and the eagle, you know, eagles like to eat tortoises, I guess, according to this anyway. So what the eagle does is it flies all the way up and then drops the tortoise so then it can eat the yummy insides. So this particular tortoise gets picked up and dropped, but he survives because he is the great god Om, come back in the form of a tortoise. So he's dropped into the garden of a monk, the lowliest of the lowly monk brother. Brother is then spoken to by the great God. And of course, the great God can't do anything because he's in this worthless little tortoise. So basically, he has to try to convince this simple monk that he is God. So the, the entire book takes place where Brother is carrying around this tortoise in his pocket, pocket and the tortoise is trying to, you know, trying to move the story along, basically, trying to get Brother to believe in him and trying to then, because they are in the country named Omnia and Om is the god that they are worshiping. But he's a turtle. But he's actually a tortoise at the moment, so mm. he can't really have any effect on things that are happening. Basically, the religion has gotten away from him a long time ago. That's the point of it, is that they're worshiping him with all of these made-up rules and all of these um, horrible practices of, you know, burning people alive in the Quisition, which is what they call it in the book. And there's this just horrible head priest dude named Vorbus, who was just a horrible human being, torturing and murdering people in the name of Om, this god who is currently the tortoise. So there are adventures, of course, and he and brother ends up going along to this other uh, nearby country that that Vorbus has decided that they need to get rid of all of the heathens. So they they go to another country to try to wage war and and basically the story is about how the religion has gotten so far out of hand. I liked it because it just creates a very interesting perspective on religion. But of course, as you know, you've heard me talk about Discworld. It's it's not a real place. It's a made up place that is a flat world that is on the back of four elephants, which in turn stand on the back of a giant space turtle. And it, it's really it fun. Sounds like Doctor Who. And it's really fun because there's a there there are rebels in this book who talk about the turtle in their um, 
religion, so to speak. So they are worshiping the turtle. Are they worshiping the physical turtle in the no, pocket or the turtle that holds up the world? They're tur- that one. Okay. Got so it. it's great because it has all these layers of different things going on in it. And when I first read it, I was reading it because I really loved Terry Pratchett, who I had, I had not very long before that discovered. So I sort of was reading through the series and I found this one. And this is my favorite of all of the Terry Pratchett books because of the way it allowed me to see how things, you know, how, how, um, how would I say that? I found it a very profound novel, even though it's a fantasy novel about a world that doesn't even exist. It's just really interesting to see how he is able to pick apart something that's so deeply ingrained in us and show it to us from a different perspective. It sounds interesting. Don't lie, Megan. No, it does. <laughs> it really is, though. It does. Sound, it really lying. is. It's, it's, I like books that like make me think like that sometimes. It doesn't really have a lot of the other hallmarks of a Terry Pratchett novel. It doesn't really talk a lot about the dwarves and the, and the vampires and the trolls and the different sort of... Um, it mostly deals with humans, mm. which is another thing that sets it apart in all of the other... But, but they do talk about different gods a, a lot of times in, um, like one of my favorite gods in the universe is, uh, is uh, Anoya, the goddess of things stuck in drawers. <laughs> That's the best goddess. She, she is a great goddess. I have her picture down here. And there's also the great god Offler, who's a crocodile god. And then we have Blind Io. Is he Steve Irwin? No. Mm, missed opportunity but there's a ton of different gods that do different things and it's he, he he created all of this stuff himself this is martha like martha's having her own like hansen fandom moment over here about terry pratchett i love I terry love pratchett it. i think he's no, the best. I and it, you know what i rarely talk about him and i rarely go into detail on this but i really feel like i need to spread the word of Discworld at this moment. I need to take this moment to share this book with you. Sort of like, you know, a Mooney at the airport. A what? A Mooney. Are you guys too young for Moonies? You know, the dudes in the saffron robes at the airport? Oh, the bald dudes? Oh, oh yes. That try to the cult? Con- convert you to a cult? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Take this book and read it. It is profound. It will change your life. Well, the moon. Yes. <laughs> yes this is this is my pamphlet that i want to share with you guys <laughs> my religious pamphlet the church of Mark, Harry of the church to... the church of disc world of small gods well if you're trying to if you're trying to get me to join your cult i'm gonna have to call my dad yeah <laughs> the terry pratchett cult is a very very sweet cult uh, as a matter of fact, I belong to a, a lovely group on Facebook called the Terry Pratchett, um, Terry Pratchett page. I don't know what the hell it is, but uh, just some lovely, wonderful people. So if you haven't heard the good word of Terry Pratchett yet, <laughs> why don't you start with Small Gods? Because it was excellent. And I really highly recommend this book. I've read it about 15 to 20 times. And I plan to read it again because it is profound on just about every level. Anybody want to read it? I'll lend you my copy. Nope. Crickets. Fuckers. Fine. Maybe one Let, day. Hang on. Hang on. I'm a, I might bite on this because it, it did sound interesting to me. Tell me this. How difficult is it to follow like the worlds and different things? Not at all because they really don't go into a lot of detail about the weird sci-fi-ish fantasy stuff. It's mostly takes place amongst humans. You know what? I'll bite because I didn't want to read Ken Follett and that worked out real well in my favor. So if you're willing to let me borrow it or at least send me the name, I will, I will, I will let you borrow it. Oh, that was small gods by Terry Pratchett, the creator. What year are we in the what badger? The year of the beleaguered badger is 2021. I mean, I feel like that's probably an accurate description for how we all feel. Last year was the year of the condescending carp. We should have known 2020 was going to be shit. It was based on a carp. I know. I'm trying to think. I wish I would have like fallen down this week or something. But I, 
No one fell down this week on the podcast. Vonnie did have uh, some slight hiccups with, uh, with... I've got the perfect thing, you guys. You know, my husband is so hard to buy for. He's like the worst person on the planet to buy for because he's the kind of guy that saves his money and if he wants something throughout the year, he buys it. And... All of the stuff he wants is so fucking expensive that I can't really afford it. So every year we go through this little dance of give me some ideas for some small things I can wrap and put under the tree. Well, this year, it was the worst fail ever, you guys. I bought him a bidet. <laughs> I'm so, Why? Because I thought, you know... For the guy who has everything, you know, it might be something that he would come to like. <laughs> Let me just tell you, that did not go over well. I can't imagine that it would have. He said, he said why would you buy me an ass washer for Christmas? <laughs> You know, Martha, I felt real bad about the year that I bought Tom body wash because he because he went. But I think I I think I feel better about myself. You feel absolved. So so friends, don't buy your husband a bidet for Christmas. An asshole. <laughs> That's what he said. He really thought I would like an ass washer for Christmas. Like oh. it's not an ass washer. It's a butthole drinking fountain. <laughs> I'm just trying. I'm just getting this picture of the the butthole sipping at the drinking fountain right now. Oh my god! I know who has a mouth that could that could show us that? I have no words. And on that note, okay, I think we're done now. That's going to do it for Three, three Book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production. <laughs>